This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of creator success at Workweek. Let's go. The biggest mistake that you're going to make the last 14 days, and this is me, right? This is straight my mistakes of 14 days, right? Is lack of consistency. And what's tough is that first 14 days is the hardest time to be the most consistent, right? Because everything is new. Everything is all that kind of stuff. But just something as simple as not responding to an email within 24 hours, right? Which is crazy because you're getting deluged with information. You feel like you're in a fire hose. You feel like you're barely drowning. But not responding in that first 14 days, what does that tell the rest of the team? I can't trust you. I can't rely upon you. And we are back here at the New Leader Workshop, I'm here with my friend, Dr. Michael Steiner, professor, business psychology, and VP of innovations as well, which is a, is a big deal. So we appreciate you being here, man. This is a, this is awesome. We're all about helping managers be effective in their role. Too many managers get promoted into a position, get no training, get no development, are not prepared, and struggle because of it. And so here at Le New Leader Workshop, we really are, or here at Leader's Lens, New Leader Workshop is an old podcast I had. That was a weird random throwback that just happened. <laughs> but here at Leader's Lens, we're all about helping make sure managers have the tools they need to be successful in their role. And I was introduced to you via TikTok. Like I was scrolling through leadership TikTok and I was like, who is this guy that is just crushing it? Just like bringing tons of value, getting tons of engagement. And he always did such a good job of bringing actionable tips, which is challenging in like a 30 second, second format. So I, I appreciate that so much about, you know, it's been great being able to connect. Love it. Love it. Thanks for the invite. I think we connected like a year ago now. We were going back and forth and all different stuff. And I think when we connected a year ago, I was asking you about your journey and different things. And you mentioned how many opportunities have opened up because of this podcast. So I'm super grateful to be a part of it. Thanks for sharing your space with me. And I'm excited to chop it up with you today. Yeah, it's been beautiful. The newsletter of the podcast has been an incredible blessing. I'm excited to be part of this Workweek family. And let's get straight to the value, though. We want to make sure that people listen to this podcast, they know why they're here. And today we're going to be focusing, focusing on things you should be doing your first 14 days with the new team. These are crucial days. And Michael, what are some of the things that make this these first two weeks with your team so important? Oh, it's super critical because this forms the basis of everything that's going to happen from here on out. And I'll, let me zoom out to zoom in, if I can do that Love for it. a second. Well, my uh, doctoral work, my, my research was on social network analysis. So analyzing how, how people's social networks impact their day-to-day -day life, how they live, how they act, how they behave, how all those kind of webs of connections inform what we do. And I specifically was focusing on um, new hires at the bottom, right? So how the network of a team impacts whether or not a new kind of entry-level person was able to become part of that team. And what I discovered is there's a lot of things that apply to the top as well when you're coming onto the team. And we all know that just because you have the title of leader on the team doesn't automatically mean you're the one that's leading the team. It doesn't mean you're the automatic center of gravity. And that feeling that we have, right, where Sometimes it's maybe it's it's the admin assistant that's been there for the past five different bosses, right? And she's she's the one that all the team goes to when they need help with this and that and that because she's actually been the most content person. Or maybe it's it's Joe, right, over in development. He's been just kind of in this one role for 30 years, um, but he's the one everybody loves to and everybody turns to. He's the one that when he walks into the room, the whole room lights up. That is the impact of a social network, right? And you're 
your location on the network, the position that you have on the network determines that you the influence that you have over everybody in there. So those first 14 days are crucial because it's establishing where you're going to be in the network, which has nothing to do with what your title is. And so that's why it's really important to take that time to invest in that first 14 days. And I love that, that this call out of understanding the title doesn't mean anything. Like people don't necessarily look at you different because you have this title. And I think a lot of times, especially if you're new to the world of leadership, you just expect like I'm the manager now, people are going to listen to me, but that's just not how people operate. That's not how people work. You have to invest time to get buy-in, to show people that you care about them personally, you're invested in their success. So what are, what are some things you can do in the early stages to set yourself up for success and make sure you have this foundation of trust? The best thing to do really is to understand how the network is currently structured. That's the best thing you can do because everything you're going to do builds off of understanding how the network works. And you do this very simply. Number one, you're going to have a one-to-one with everybody within the first 14 days. And that's standard, right? Every single management book will tell you, meet with every single person on your team. But you're going to do the normal questions, right? What do you do? What's your job? How your role is going to be there? All that kind of stuff. But you're going to ask two very specific questions that may seem a little different. Maybe these aren't questions you've normally. I'm excited for these. Sounds like a good buildup. The first one you're going to ask is, who do you go to when you're stuck? When you need more information to get your job done, who do you go to on the team for that? And then the second question you're going to ask too is, who do you enjoy hanging out with the most, right? When you're around the water cooler or you're going to lunch, if you have the opportunity, who's the person that you enjoy connecting with the most? What you're going to do is you're going to record those names. You're going to average those names together. And what's going to emerge is you're going to find the one to two, maybe even three people that are the center of gravity for the team. Sometimes the person who's the information is the same one that everybody loves to enjoy. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're different. Whatever it is, you're going to find that the people that really are the leaders of this team are the ones that are the places, the central parts of how the team is operating together. Those are the people, right? Because you only have so much time in a day. And when I posted this on TikTok, everybody got blasted, like blasted me. They hate this when I said this. I said, those are the people that when you're spending your first initial 30 days, those are the people whose connections you want to build strongly with because they're the ones that are going to determine your influence with the whole rest of the team, right? So what you're going to do, the easiest way to do that is just by taking them out to lunch and getting to know them as a person and having them get to know you right? Because what you want is the person that everybody loves hanging out with telling everybody, oh, they're a nice guy. Oh, they're a great girl. When we went to lunch, man, they told me about their kids. They told me about Polo. I love working with them, right? You're the person that everybody goes to for information. Man, that person really knows their stuff. They've got this great background. They've got this. That is what you want to happen because that will start building the trust with the team. You layer that on top of all the other normal management principles, right? This is not an either or, right? You still need to be showing up on time. You need to be doing your job well. You need to be building clear communication, being kind. All that stuff is great and it's still part of it. You layer that stuff with this managing the network though, and you'll be cooking with rocket fuel. Let's go. Let's go. This is random. I'm going to come back to this conversation, but something that I've realized as I've been doing this podcast is there's this new generation of experts in leadership development that are ready to take the forefront, right? Like there's like the Simon Sinek, the Bray Browns, the Adam Grants, they're all incredible. We all learn a ton from them, but there really is this like new generation that's bringing just a different energy, a different perspective. And it's just, it's so valuable, you know, for, for the audiences to, to be paying attention to. Um, but back to the, the, the 14 days, 
What are some mistakes that you think leaders commonly make as they are stepping in that you know, impact the trust and just you know are, are tough to bounce back from? The biggest mistake that you're going to make the last 14 days, and this is me, right? This is straight my mistakes of 14 days, right? Is lack of consistency. And what's tough is that first 14 days is the hardest time to be the most consistent, right? Because everything is new. Everything is all that kind of stuff. But just something as simple as not responding to an email within 24 hours, right? Which is crazy because you're getting deluged with information. You feel like you're in a fire hose. You feel like you're barely drowning. But not responding in that first 14 days, what does that tell the rest of the team? Oh, I can't trust you. I can't rely upon you. Different things like that, right? You overpromise. I was reading this great book. All while I say it's great, it's it's kind of cheesy. It's a sci-fi book that's written by a military guy who has PTSD. It's a great story. It was kind of his way of coping with PTSD. So he's here all through it. But he has this great scene where this new officer comes into a unit and the officer comes in and the first thing they do is they talk about the glories of battle. And they said that all the soldiers in the background were making fun of him because they knew that this guy had never been in a battle. So how are you talking about the glories of battle, right? And then the true leaders of the team, the staff sergeant says, listen here, guys, if you want to survive this next little bit, do what I say and you'll be fine. Yeah. And those were the guy. everybody started nodding their head. They go, okay, it's good, right? So there's this balance where you want to create those kind of connections, right? You don't want to come in overselling what you're going to do, overselling the importance of what's happening there. You want to be realistic. You want to be down to earth and you want to build those connections. And so not being consistent and overselling what's going on and what's happening are probably the two biggest mistakes that I know I made in the first 14. I love that. And I love that you call out the personal challenges because I do feel like a lot of it is is the self-awareness of understanding like where are you going to be at your best? How are you going to shine? But then also where are your blind spots and where are your gaps? What are the things that you need to personally be aware of because it might have a negative impact, impact on your team. Yeah. And so the, the secret, the antidote, right, is aim small, miss small. It's classic from, from you know, Mel Gibson, Patriot. I love that line, aim <laughs> small, miss So your first 14 days, aim small. I hear a lot of people talk about, um, you know, you don't want to change everything in the team super fast. And that's great wisdom for a lot of different ways. One of the ones that I want to talk about is because you don't want to, you don't want to set a tone of inconsistency, mm. right? So it's not that like you shouldn't change things because you shouldn't change things. You should seek to understand them, but just you're going to be doing a lot, right? The first 14 days is a lot. There's a lot going on. So set the bar super low for yourself so that you can build consistency over time. I love it. I'll uh, I'll give an example where I saw that go wrong is uh, a leader I worked with. He's a good friend and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this story. I'll keep it anonymous, of course, but he came into a new role as a director and they're throwing this celebration. He's like, we're going to make it unlimited this year. Like everything we have, like people can have as much as they want. It's like unlimited pizzas, unlimited energy drinks, unlimited, just like everything we had. <laughs> and um, it was just incredibly expensive. Like everybody told them like, we can't do this. It's going to be way too expensive. And he could never do that again. So now he built this like plateau up for himself and like you can just, you can't follow that up. So I love your guidance of like set the bar, bar a little lower so you can work your way up and, you know, man, managing expectations is super important in those first four, 14 days, of course. Yeah. If in those first 14 days, you respond to every single email within 24 hours, you show up every day on time, you do great work and you build your relational connections with the rest of the network. You get all that done in the first 14 days, you're going to be fine, right? Then you can start shooting for the moon and kind of moving on from there. 
So let's talk about that, the, the, the relationship piece. What are some other things that we should be thinking through as we're developing trust with the other people on our team? A lot of them we're meeting potentially for the first time. The only thing that builds trust is time at the end of the day. It, like that is what, what consistency over time is what builds trust. So you can't shortcut time. It's all about putting that intentional time. Um, but what you can control is your consistency, how much you show up, how different things like that. And so taking the time, spending the time to get to know your people, asking the right questions, right? And asking me in a genuine way is a great way to kind of go from there. You know, I've always found it's great to take people out to lunch when you can, right? And it's okay to ask them questions about their life. And one of the great questions that's a quick way to create a level of vulnerability that's safe vulnerability, right? Brene Brown talks about the power of vulnerability, how vulnerable things are possible, but asking people what their dreams are for their life. It's a very powerful question, but it's also a very safe question, right? It's not, nobody's going to get judged. You don't get judged for each other and reciprocate, right? Say, man, I'd love to accomplish this and this for my life. It's a very powerful, intimate type of conversation. It's a way to kind of accelerate the knowledge that you guys have for each other. And then over time, right? Once you know that information, then you're looking for ways to call that out, right? And if you're a manager, your job is to help people go towards their preferred future. Like that's the thing. I think a lot of managers, I loved the shift. I want to say it was Donald Miller talked about this, but you know, there's the this theory of stories that pretty much all stories in the West can be melded down to the same kind of function. And it's this idea that there's a hero and then the hero the hero's journey. The hero's journey. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, the hero's journey. Yeah. So sorry. I don't know why I blanked on it. But Donald talked about making that shift from thinking of yourself as the hero of the story to being the sage of someone else's hero story. So when you're a leader, that's what you have to recognize that you are, is you're not the hero of this story anymore. The people that are working for you, they're the heroes of their own individual stories, and you are the background character that's helping them reach the goal that they have, the vision that they have for them. Uh, and that means giving them opportunities to grow their skills. That means giving them opportunities to stretch and move themselves. And it may mean one day giving them the opportunity to find the next spot to move on to. And that the way that you build loyalty is by not expecting it and by living with that kind of open hand. I love it. And it, you, cause you can't really position the benefits to them or the things that you're doing as a team. If you don't understand how it personally benefits them, I think a, a trap that a lot of leaders fall into is they assume that everybody has the same motivations that they have, where like everybody's career focused, everybody's money motivated. And that's just not the case where right? everybody has very different things about what, in, in, what motivates them, but also why that particular thing motivates them. No one is money motivated. No one's money motivated. Money is a means to an end. So when people want raises, what do they want, right? And when people want titles, well, they want greater responsibilities to get raises, what do they actually want, right? Yeah. What people are trying to use money for is different. For some people, it's about freedom. I want more money so I can buy back more of my time so that I can have more freedom, so I can go do things, can have more experiences. Well, for that person, save yourself the $10,000 and give them another two weeks a vacation. Yeah. Right? Super easy, right? Other people, it is about the status, right? I want the nice toys. I want the nice things, all that kind of stuff. All right. Those are the people that are never going to take a vacation ever in their life, right? Because they want the bonuses. So how do you structure it differently? Money is a means to an end. And when people get so caught up on the compensation game, that's how you end up moving people into positions that they don't need to be in. So if somebody just wants more money to buy more toys, they don't actually care about the work that they're doing. That's not the person you want to elevate into managers just so that you can give them a raise. Find another way to give them a raise or 
Gary, here's a thought. Pay them outside of the pay range for their their position. Is that really going to hurt you to spend another an extra $20,000 on a person who's fantastic at their job to keep them at their job so that they don't have to go into a position that's outside of their scope of work? I mean, we could go down a whole other trail about how broken our whole compensation system is, but that's that's what I'm saying, right? That's You have to think about what do people actually want to accomplish with their lives. 100%. Yeah. I think when you understand motivates people, it make, you can, it's easier to have that conversation also. When they start talking about career development, they start talking about their goals and just helping them understand like why is this actually important to you? Because most people don't have somebody in their life that's going to talk to them about their future. There'll be a lot of people on your team. It might be the first time that anybody's ever asked them, like, what do you want to accomplish? What are your goals? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Since their mom, right? Since they were like 10 years old, their mom, no one's ever asked them, you know, they pinged from, so I work with, I, I work at a university. So we have a lot of, you know, I've worked with a lot of college students, graduating college students. And what's so funny is after college, college is the last time, ending college is the last time that you have forced transitions. So for the rest of your life after college, the only thing that will make you transition is you, your decisions. And it's such a whiplash for kids. They don't even see it coming that it's like, now nobody's going to ask you anymore. Like you're not going to be forced to go from kindergarten into grade school and grade school into middle school and middle school into high school and high school into college. All that forced transition is done. The only way you grow and advance now is your own volition, taking initiative and making choices for yourself. And um, if you don't have a direction that you're trying to go for your life, it's terrible. It's terrifying because what decisions should you make? And so being the kind of leader that steps into those conversations, leans into it, helps people make that decision. It's what builds loyalty over time. And those aren't the kind of conversations you can have in the first 14 days, but you can start them in the first 14 days and you grow and develop them during your tenure as a leadership. Love it. That's a great clarification. Yeah, it's not important. The first conversation you have you might not talk about somebody's 10 year plan. Like it might not come up. Like maybe well for some people if they're goal motivated, but maybe that's not the, the first conversation. So I love that. So you had a tweet where you wrote uh, another important element is your, this is a football meeting. Talk to us. What is, what is that? What is that? This is a football meeting. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love this is the football meeting. So the, you know, different people that you read about get attributed to different coaches, but the one that I love is Urban Meyer, I think is the one that is the guy that most people reference he did this for. But at the beginning of every single season, he would get all the guys together before they played their first game and he would sit them all down in a meeting and he'd hold up a football and goes, all right, guys, this is a football. Your goal is to get this into the end zone. And it's like, you're talking about guys who had 30 year careers have been playing football since they were 10 years old. Why does it start? Because it's important to get everybody to understand what is the basics of what we're doing, right? So that first 14 days, you're building the network. You can sit down, right? And say, all right, guys, this is what we're doing, guys and girls. This is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is how we do things, right? This is the, what is the baseline level of understanding? And just make sure that everybody's on the same page, right? The fundamentals are what wins games across the board. And every single team, every single organization has their own version of fundamentals. And if you can always bring your team right back to that, it's a great way to launch into the future. And the, uh, the just the specifics that come with that, like this is our team's objective. We take the football, we get it into the end zone, like whatever it means for your particular team, your particular organization, 
I feel like a lot of times leaders get caught into this trap of they want to have this like really well-crafted, artistic mission statement that doesn't really say anything. It doesn't provide any clarity into what the team's actually supposed to be doing, but just giving your team deadlines. Like this is what we're doing it and we do it by this time. Like that's how we, we operate. Yep. Yep. What is a win for your team? Do they all know, right? Does your team all know at the same time that this is what it means to win? When we do X, we win. When we do X, we score a point. If we score enough of these points, we win. It seems super basic, but so many people miss it and they miss that opportunity to find that win. And then down the line, right, all the problems that you have with your team is them chasing an objective that's not the objective that you want them to be chasing. And so that's just easy to just start from the beginning. And then what's a football? Great. Do it in the first 14 days. Do it once a quarter, right? Do it once a year. Do it regularly where you put everybody together and go, all right, guys, this is a football. And this is what we're doing across the board. I love it. And if you're stepping into that leadership role, it's important to work with whoever you're going to be directly reporting to, to make sure you have clarity on what does it actually look like for this team to win? Because the person that's hiring you or the person you're going to be reporting to, to you, they might have an, be working under an assumption that you already know that you're reading their their mind or somebody else talked to you about it. But that's not always going to be the case. So if you feel like you have confusion stepping into that role, like be okay asking that question. Oh yeah, yeah. He's got to. You've got to lean into it. You got to get clarity on on all those kind of things and figure out. I mean, and there's so many things that branch off from there, right? When you know how you win, then you know how what makes your boss happy. It knows what makes your team happy. You know how reporting works. I mean, this is a whole line, and it's. It's interesting because I feel like because of the Adam Grants, because of the Simon Sinek's, I mean, we, we, you know, we're, we're 30 years into Six Sigma, right? Where they kind of developed all these different stuff. You would think that you wouldn't have to remind people about this, but that's the crazy thing about fundamentals, right? Is you never outgrow them. And so I think it's every generation of leaders task to re rediscover the fundamentals for themselves, recontextualize them and remind everybody about what they are. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, nobody is too smart for the fundamentals. Like you can't no be, one. you can't be too smart to focus on f- fundamentals. I heard a, a, a great story by, by Alan Stein, I think it was actually his last name, Alan Stein Jr., who um, worked with uh, Kobe Bryant at a camp. And he was like, Kobe, like, I'm never going to work with you again. I'd love to just watch you work out. And so Kobe is like, all right, I'll be there at four. He's like, well, we got you know, we got this camp goes until five and he's like, no, four in the morning tomorrow. And so like he got up with him, I'm like at three 30, met him at the gym at four. And he's like, he just worked on fundamentals for an hour and a half. And he asked him like, you're the greatest player in the world. Like, why are you working on fundamentals for an hour and a half at four in the morning? And Kobe's response was like, why do you think I'm the greatest player in the world? Because like, I'm taking the time to make this happen. So if somebody as great, as exceptional as that is taking time for the fundamentals, I think we all can humble ourselves enough to realize that we're not going to be great as leaders and serving our people if we're not disciplined enough to really focus on the simple things we know work consistently. In your opinion, what are the fundamentals of leadership in general, right? Not, not specific in a team, but what's like the baseline in your opinion about what is fundamentally make a good leader? I think, honestly, I feel like one thing that I've been thinking through a lot that you cannot be a good leader or a great leader without is being obsessed with the work of your team. Like if you're not obsessed with the mission of the team or the organization, you're not going to be passionate enough to really lead at at a level that is going to help get the team, drive the team to excellence. So that's something I feel like is is actually a fundamental of greatness um, in leadership. I feel like also strength focus and just being consistent on recognizing the things that are going well consistently 
Um, I think especially in those first 14 days of really setting the foundation that this is something that I do. You do something well, I'm going to recognize you for it because the things that are recognized will get repeated. And it's a great way to create that culture and build momentum, especially if it's a low performing team and a team that just doesn't really, hasn't seen success in the past. And then to have somebody come in that's recognizing for the things that are going well, it's a easy way to, to shift the momentum. Um, providing clarity in the mission, which you touched on, um, is another big one. And just making sure that people remember what the mission is because people forget. And as leaders, like we have to be there to, to step up and, and remind them and be that consistent voice. I think another one is just being a problem solver. And that comes with effective listening, but also taking action on the things that we're hearing not just being a vo- an empathetic ear, which I think some leaders fall into that trap where they listen and they're compassionate and they kind of like pat people on their back, but then nothing changes, like listening to problems and then actually finding solutions as well. Off the cuff, I'd go with those four. I boil it down and it's a similar thing. And I love asking this question to great seasoned leaders because it, it you really do get the same kind of fundamental three or four domains. And it's, to me, I, I boil it down, it's, there's three three fundamental skills for every single leader. And these are the three fundamental skills of leadership. Number one is future seeing. So you got to be able to see the future. Where are things going? What's going to happen next? Where are things going to go? And you got to be able to communicate that to people. That's where vision casting comes in. Um, you got to make good decisions, right? So you have to have the ability to, to understand what's the right way to go. And then the third thing is you got to be have the ability to persuade everybody that that's where it should go. Like all of leadership can be all the different skills, all the different things can be boiled down to those three fundamentals. You're seeing the future, you're making good decisions, and you're convincing everybody else to follow you to to that direction. And, uh, See, you, you did that a lot better than I did. You were ready for that answer. I loved it. <laughs> it's just part of it. You boil it down and, and there's... And what's funny is I feel like most leaders, they come into the role with one of those skills, right? Okay. So like sales guys... That's why sales guys get promoted or great sales guys get promoted to managers really fast because they're good at persuading people to do things. You know, your IT guys, they're great decision makers. And so they, they're great at making decisions, this, this, this. And so then they get promoted into it. Or then your finance guys, they know what's next. They know how to project, create all these different things. So they get promoted. So everybody comes into leadership with one of those, but then they're deficient in the other two areas, right? And so their deficiencies in those skills are what hold them back from going from being a manager to being an incredible leader. Beautiful. And that's where people like us come in. You know, you got gaps. Everybody has gaps. You need a coach yep. there ready to, to tell you the truth that other people aren't aren't maybe comfortable telling you. Or if you've got all three, give you give you drills. Meet you meet you at the gym at 4 30 <laughs> watch right. you were watching drills. I love because you don't have no matter what. Awesome. <laughs> well Michael, what are you working on right now that the uh, the great people in this leaders lens community should should be aware of? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can keep up with me at all my socials. I'm on TikTok at uh, Dr. Michael Steiner. I'm on Twitter at the Dr. M Steiner, and that's because Twitter was weird; it wouldn't give me my my social handle. Um, so those are my two spots. I'm most active in there. Uh, there's a leaders library you can sign up. It's all my favorite books and YouTube videos and journal articles. It's basically every single collection to help you grow in those three skills. I knocked out to so free to sign up for anybody that wants that. Yeah. And then if you are interested in coaching, there's links on there and different things like that. I'd love to hop on and get to know you and talk to you more and stuff. So I have an outline of a book that I've been uh, chewing on all Let's summer. I might be pulling the trigger on that. Uh, later this year, I'm just, the, the outline staring at me. It's like, okay, you outlined how far down this rabbit hole are you going to go? Yeah. So, well, I'm excited to see. How Can you give us a little bit about what the book's about? I feel like it's about the three fundamentals. 
building up yeah, the idea. Okay. A little bit about the three fundamentals, but really talking about how to create great ideas. So how do you discover great ideas? How do you discover what's next for your team? How do you see that next level, right? Because to me, leadership is all about shaping a future. That's what it is. Like you're pulling people into a new future. You have to be able to see that future. You have to be able to come up with it. And the worst thing that always happens to me is that you end up being the kind of leader that outsources idea generating. And when you outsource idea generating, you're outsourcing your leadership is what you've done. And so how to keep that spark alive in yourself, how to grow in yourself, and what are some of the skills you can work on along the way? Yeah, I love it. You talk about changing the world. I read a quote recently, and I'm going to butcher it here, but the idea was um, rational people focus on changing themselves, irrational people focus on changing the world, and that's why irrational people change the world. And it's like, man, there's, there's definitely something there for sure. I just have in the mentality that like I can actually make a difference. I'm not just going to live in the ripples and the things that are happening around me, but I'm actually going to create the ripples and, you know, and be the change I want to see, but be resilient enough to will it into existence is just such a, a crucial part to, of leadership that you just see in, in, in people in all areas. And we were kind of talking about social media a little bit earlier. And I think the, the cool thing about like just the world now is that you have the ability to build this platform. And I know you're, you've done a good job of transitioning that into your coaching business, but now you have this book ready to go and you're going to have this audience of people ready to support it because you've just been plugging away and giving them value for free for such a long time. So keep going, man. We're rooting for you over here. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Change only happens because of leaders. When I made that realization, that's kind of when I fell in love with leadership in general is when I realized that change only happens because of leaders. And so if you're listening to this right now and you've been on the fence about something that you know you're supposed to be doing, take this as your little shove to get off that fence and do it. Let's go, man. That's energy right there. That's energy transfer right there. I love it. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend. 